raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, Bacon and Ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy. Available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. Will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle, intercepted, Wolfuck again! Wolfuck the other way, at the 30, the 40, Wolfuck to midfield! Miles Wolfuck with the pick, the heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory! Left side of the line, Hood standing to Williams' is right. Williams gonna throw, one-on-one, Davis has it! Touchdown, Carolina wins! Carolina is the Coastal Division! Champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's going to take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? Connor Barth for the possible win. Snap. Spot. Kick away. High enough. Long enough. Heel Tough Blog Podcast. Hey guys, and welcome to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's your host, Anthony Pagnata, with you guys as always. And today we are recapping the Tar Heels 38 to 7 win over the Duke Blue Devils. Gets the Carolina uh, gets Carolina turned back in the right direction during what will be an extremely important three-game stretch at home for the Tar Heels. So we're going to tell you all about that game. We'll hand out our player of the game, everything like that. And then uh, we will get you guys out of here and start looking towards Carolina's game this next week against Florida State. So uh, Carolina uh, with a 38-7 win over the Blue Devils. They do fall, though, once again in the AP poll. So last week they did receive one vote in the AP poll this week, none, uh, and only received five votes in the coaches poll as opposed to last week when they received eight. So uh, Carolina with a dominant win uh, on the scoreboard, but I think most people probably saw it as we saw it. Uh, it wasn't quite as dominant as the score would tell you, and that's probably one of the reasons why Carolina has dropped once again. The good news for the Toriels, though, is Georgia Tech suffered a setback in front of them, uh, so that's one of the losses that they needed. Virginia Tech did not play next week. Won't matter either because, well, in terms of the Coastal, you, of course, would like them to lose and, and have some negative momentum going their way if you're a Tar Heel fan. Uh, they will play Notre Dame next week, so it'll be a little bit before you start to learn what the outlook is for Virginia Tech going throughout the season, but Carolina gets at least one of the losses that they need in front of them from Georgia Tech. Uh, but Carolina now uh, still only with a 6% chance to win the ACC Coastal as of right now. I believe that's football power index that has that. Uh, 
Pittsburgh, the heavy favorite, if you guys are wondering about that. But, uh, look, it was a win. Carolina had some things that they did very well in this game. Carolina had some things that uh, they didn't do uh, all that well, and we're going to break it down here for you. Uh, Of course, for you, uh, not in the stadium, so you got the view from at home. Uh, This is the first time we've done this in a while where we've had one person there, one person at home. So some differing views, I would assume. What did you think about how the team looked on TV, did you think this was a good performance from this team overall, or how'd you feel? No, it wasn't. It wasn't a complete performance. But I think, I think after what happened last week at Georgia Tech, if it was a complete performance or not, I don't think it mattered. You just wanted to win, get some confidence back in yourselves, start feeling good about who you are and the type of team you can still be um, moving forward. Because as you mentioned, three straight games at home that that, that gives you an opportunity to turn this thing around. But the score would indicate a blowout. Um, The stats would almost indicate a blowout, but it didn't feel that Carolina was that much more dominant than Duke. They just made plays – in a timely fashion that were big-time plays, and Duke did not. Um, But, you know, going into the game, I didn't really care how Carolina played as long as they won. I just thought winning – and, look, winning's the most important thing, but for a lot of teams, how you win is also important. After a blowout loss on the road, coming back at home, it's just more about getting a win, and that's that was the main goal, and Carolina did that on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I mean, it's hard not to be excited about the fact that you won by 31. I mean, it's this is far from a, a terrible performance. Um, but, yeah, I think you're right. I think that especially going into that fourth quarter, there was you know still probably a little bit of doubt about um, – you know, Carolina being able to hold on and win the game. I mean, uh, well, no, nah, I shouldn't say it like that. The the, the score, the, there was still a scenario where Duke could have come back. Now, the way that Carolina's defense played and the way that Duke's offense played probably led you to believe that that wasn't going to be the case. Um, but, you know, I mean, look, I, I think that first half, um, you know, especially defensively, they dominated, uh, and that's exactly what you want to see. I mean, outside of the early, uh, really the first two, drives of the game. Uh, Mateo Durant didn't really do all that much on the ground. Carolina did a lot better job shutting him down after those first couple of drives of the game. But uh, yeah, I I mean, you know, you look at the box score, I mean, a relatively solid performance from Carolina. I mean, you know, they they ended up finishing with 456 yards of total offense um, to Duke's uh, 314. Difference really came through the air. Carolina 321 one passing yards to Duke's 184. Uh, teams relatively even on the ground game. Carolina 135. Uh, Duke with 130 yards rushing in this game. Uh, Carolina, uh, the good, you know, the thing that uh, Carolina did a little bit better than them, though, is uh, they held on to the football. Uh, Duke did not. Uh, they, they had uh, a fumble, uh, of course. Um, Carolina definitely uh, has to feel confident about the amount of turnovers that they're forcing as Carolina uh, recovered that fumble, also had an interception in this game, another one in this game uh, for the Tar Heels. So he, he, th- this is a pretty solid start for them in terms of forcing turnovers. That was one of the things that we were concerned about um, you know, from last year's defense. And while they haven't quite taken the step that I think we – thought they were capable of that's one of the areas where they've been a lot better so far out of the gate this year yeah and I think that's something where if you're going to have the issues that Carolina has had in the past with terms of stopping opponents um, you got to force turnovers now granted this game it didn't really matter because that was the best defense performance we've seen against a power five opponent under Jay Bateman since Jay Bateman arrived as a defensive coordinator, but those turnovers, they help because like sacks, like everything else, turnovers usually come in bunches. They're going to need forced turnovers this week against Florida State, next week against Miami uh, to improve their chances to win those games. So it's good to see Carolina doing things, creating more pressure on the quarterback that results in an interception, results in all the things that happened. And it was a step in the right direction after a disaster performance the week before against uh, Georgia Tech. Yeah, then you look at, uh, you know, Carolina uh, led by quarterback Sam Howell, 18 of 32 through the air, 321 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, Pretty solid passer rating of 171.5. Carolina on the ground, leading rusher was Ty Chandler, 12 carries, 53 yards, and a touchdown. Nothing 
spectacular. But again, not great blocking in front of him. Did what he could on the day. Uh, DJ Jones also provided uh, a little help out of the backfield as well. Seven carries, 30 yards for him. Uh, and did some good things. I thought he, he, he definitely uh, gave them a little bit of positive momentum. I, I know one of the things that I saw from him that I thought was encouraging was that he did a really good job in pass protection when he was in yeah. there as uh, one of the blockers in the backfield uh, for Carolina at the running back position. Wide receiver, once again, no shock here, leading receiver Josh Downs. Eight catches, 168 yards, and a touchdown. Of course, had that 63-yard touchdown late in the fourth quarter to officially put the game away. Um, you know, and, and honestly, wasn't even one of his best days so far in terms of, you know, being, he was targeted third 13 times, had a couple of drops, um, but really rebounded when Carolina needed him to, made a couple of nice plays late in the game, and that allowed Carolina to put the game away. Uh, Outside of him, not really much. Uh, Ty Chandler, two catches, 87 yards, but... That the one was the 75-yard touchdown reception. Uh, Kamari Morales, relatively quiet, but did find the end zone once again, and he continues to show that he is, uh, you know, he, he's receiving the targets. Sam Howell trusts him, and, and and that's a guy that I think Carolina is very encouraged about as this season uh, continues to move forward. When you look at the defense, Carolina uh, led led by uh, Cameron Kelly, the safety, seven total tackles in this game. Uh, did also have the interception, so a really solid all-around game from him. Jaquarius Conley, six total tackles, uh, along with Trey Morrison and Tony Grimes in that category. Uh, and then Miles Murphy, five total tackles in the game for him, uh, three of which were solos, two and a half for a loss, and one sack. So a big performance from him. Second straight week, he's looked really good. And, of course, we'll kind of dive into that here a little more in just a second. As for the Duke portion of the box score, Gunnar Holmes, 17 of 24, 184 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. Uh, Carolina, as I mentioned, early on, really struggled to slow down Mateo Duran as the day went along. It it was much easier for them as they started to win at the line of scrimmage. He finished the game still with 114 yards on 19 carries. uh, And Jordan Waters out of the backfield as well. Carolina did a much better job shutting him down when he would come in uh, as the guy that rotated in just uh, 19 yards on on six carries. Uh, Duke receiving-wise, led by Jalen Calhoun, he had 103 yards and a touchdown on six receptions. Of course, he had the 80-yard touchdown to open the second half. Uh, That was where he got most of his yardage. Other than that, Carolina did a pretty good job on just about every other receiver. I mean, you take that one long play away, Carolina held uh, Holmberg to just 104 yards passing. So uh, this secondary after really struggling uh, against Virginia, they have bounced back these last two weeks and outside of that one play, looked pretty good. Well, let's talk about some of the storylines that come out of this game. And I think one of the biggest ones that still lingers and at this point, I I put it in the recap article the other day, I think at this point, you got no choice but to classify this as just an element of this team and something that Carolina is going to have to work around. This offensive line once again struggled on Saturday. Caden Baker started the game at center. Um, So once again, Carolina not with the same starting group. It wasn't wasn't terrible, but, I mean, here's the thing. I, I don't think he was great. Carolina rotated in a couple other centers behind him. Brian Anderson saw some time. You also saw Kieran Johnson see some time. Johnson, again, clearly the best of the three, in my opinion. And, you know, then you had the questions at, at, at tackle that I think now are just continuing to grow. Uh, Jordan Tucker's a guy that's been a, a staple of that offensive line for the last three years, but he is really struggling right now. William Barnes came in and once again, at least from my perspective, played better than he did in the reps that he saw. But the, the, the thing is, is that no matter who you put out there right now, it seems like this group still just cannot put together a complete performance on the offensive line like they did in that game against Virginia. And at this point, I think it's just something Phil Longo is going to have to game plan for. Yep, and I think that's something that uh, his adjustments will take this will, will, will take this team as far as they can go. Carolina's not going to get consistent offensive line play. This is not going to happen. We're five games in. Um, as, I, as we talked last week, at this point, you are who you are. And now it's about 
adjusting and trying to hide your deficiencies while getting the most out of what you've got. Um, I think Phil Longo did a decent job of that on on Saturday, uh, but you got to get better moving forward because you're going to see much better teams with much more talent, much more depth than you did against Duke. Um, it's just really disappointing. Um, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense that this offensive line that returned all five starters, um, you added depth, you did a lot of things that were supposed to make this offensive line better and make your team better and make you more of a legitimate contender in the ACC and nationally didn't happen. Um, so it's something that, in terms of recruiting, uh, something Carolina still got to address. They got to get more talented offensive line play. Um, Stacy Searles is probably still coaching for his job because this offensive line is probably what's going to cost Carolina a legitimate chance at having the type of season that they wanted to have. So, um, but moving forward, you you you've you've added the running element of Sam Howell into your offense. That's not enough. You've got to do some different stuff with the mobile pocket and stuff like that because you gave up five more sacks at, at home uh, to your quarterback, and that's that's not good for the longevity of the season. Yeah, five more sacks, five more hurries in this game. And, I mean, look, Sam Howell just, I mean, continues to show you that he – and this is basically any quarterback in – in football outside of maybe Patrick Mahomes and and even him, you saw it in the Super Bowl, you have got to be able to protect your quarterback and give him time, especially with an offense that thrives when they can get the ball down the field. And Carolina has not been able to have success doing that. My thing is, is even with the pass protection, I think that was an element that Mac Brown wanted to see improvement from in the offseason. Clearly, he hasn't. But at the least, you knew that a year ago, this was a this was a good blocking, run blocking football team. Um, I know that Javante Williams and Michael Carter created a lot of missed tackles. That's definitely true. There were times that things were not blocked great up front, and Carolina just had guys that could make people miss. This group is not on that same level by any stretch of the imagination. You don't have the powerful runner in, that, that you did last year in Javante Williams. And I don't even know if you have the guy that's as shifty right now as Michael Carter. I think I think DJ Jones can get there. He had a couple of runs the other day that made you think he could definitely get there. Um but I think right now, I mean, your offensive line play has just dropped off so much. And I, I honestly don't know how that is even po- how it's possible to take that significant of a step back when returning all five starters. Now, look, I know that most of those guys are banged up. I mean, you got to think. Joshua Zunu's had an injury. Brian Anderson's had an injury. And Jordan Tucker has had an injury. But at the same time, this is a significant step back from just about everybody within the unit. Um, the only one that I think has really played even decent so far this year in every single game has been Marcus McKeithen. Uh, everybody else has really struggled at times, uh, especially Awesome Richards. He was off the field late in the game the other day. They moved Joshua Zudu outside to left tackle, put Ed Montillas in there. I think that's probably the best group that you're going to be going with uh, going forward. And I mean, at, at this point, I, I think it's pretty clear. Once again, I said this two weeks ago. I think now it's just becoming more and more evident. Right now the best five for your team on the offensive line is it from from left to right is Zudu, Montillas, uh Kieran Johnson, Marcus McKeithen, and William Barnes. Yep. So uh, they they've got I mean I I know there's this is something you just have to deal with going forward. But I do feel like, I mean, may, may, maybe you disagree on this. I do feel like there is still something Stacey Searles should do about it. He can make those personnel changes that I just laid out, but I don't have trust right now that he's going to do that. Yeah, no. Um, and I think that's that's something that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, there's no way that if you evaluate the tape and stuff like that, um, you look at the five guys that you've been trotting out there every week and think those are your five best guys. And I think I said it last week, if you believe that those are your best five, you don't need to be coaching this offensive line. Um, and it's something that, you know, as much as that's um, his decision, that's something where Mac Brown and his role as a CEO type of coach, where you oversee that type of stuff, that should be a Mac Brown decision where he just goes in there and mandates. These are the changes that we're making. No questions asked. Um, and then if – 
you don't get the desired results, then you go back to what you have or you try something um, a different. The whole decision to not change what's going wrong doesn't make a whole lot of sense because it's cost you two football games. Um, and that's frankly inexcusable. So it's something that it's still fixable, it's still correctable if they've got the, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here, the desire to do that. Yeah, and I mean, look, they rotated guys the other day probably more than they have all season. But even then, some of the rotations didn't make a whole lot of sense. There was a drive in particular in the third quarter. Carolina moves the ball past midfield with William Barnes at right tackle. They take William Barnes out of the game, and they proceed to give up two sacks to close out the drive. Now, I don't remember. I think one of them may have been on Jordan Tucker. The other one may have been on Awesome Richards. But Jordan Tucker still didn't do a great job on those two reps, and it really seemed like that just changed the momentum of that drive anyways. Not really understanding how that's possible, why you would make that move, why you would change an offensive line group that's working in the middle of a drive. It's just it's unbelievably head-scratching, but it's something that with this team right now, it doesn't really come as that much of a shock. When we talk about game planning for this, I saw a lot of people – trying to come up with ways to sort of eliminate um, or, or, or alleviate some of the pressure that the offensive line has uh, going forward, w- what do you think that entails from Phil Longo in terms of a game plan? Um, well, I think with the addition of using Sam Howell as a section of your running game, mobile pocket, um, I think that's something where you see a lot of teams that don't have great offensive line play. But the first thing they do is they get their quarterback out into the perimeter. That way, if there's nothing there, they tuck the ball. Usually just a three- or four-yard gain by just tucking it and running it to the boundary. Um, screen play is a really good way to just get the ball out quick. It'll then change how much pressure they're going to apply. Um, now, granted, they've got to be successful doing it, but it's something that it could already get the defense off their toes and stuff like that, and then you can maybe check into a run with a certain look they give you. So those are the types of things that you got to do, um, and it's something that – um, hopefully we see more of because I think it, it makes it easier, especially with you using your tight ends, to r- roll your quarterback out. You slip the tight end. That's a three- or four-yard pass play that's usually open every single time because you can't take that away. And it's just something that you gotta you got you to gotta get the hits, the hits off of Sam because at this rate, I mean, he's a, he's a durable guy. But at the rate he's getting hit, with the sacks and the QB hits, at some point something's going to happen, and that's not that's not going to be good for this football team. And so it's just something that Phil's got to adjust. Um, and I, he's done a much better job this year in terms of making adjustments game to game, week to week, than he has his first two years. So I do think we'll see something different this week against Florida State. Yeah, I, I think that's the thing is that he's just got to adjust. I know this isn't going to be the most effective offense that he's probably ever had, but right now with the way your offensive line is playing, you have to change your play calling and and, and sort of try to eliminate that group from hurting you as much as they have to this point. And and you're right. I think at this point, I mean, I I don't know. There's got to be somebody that's got this statistic. But this has to be the most notorial quarterback has been hit up until this point in the season, right? You would imagine. My gosh, he gets hit all the freaking time. I mean, every game now, it is at least – I mean, he's taking – including the ones when when he is now – mobile because they like to use him in the run game. I mean, you got to think, he's probably taking at least 15 to 20 hits mm-hmm. a game as a quarterback. That's a lot. Uh, Carolina's just got, they, they've got to figure out a way uh, to sort of eliminate some of those hits. I think the, the clear way to do that, most people have been talking about it, is the quick passing game. We saw it early against Virginia. We saw them getting the ball out quicker even to some of the outside receivers. Uh, Josh Downs, they've, they've definitely tried to utilize the quick passing game with him, using him in a lot of screen situations. Some of them, some of them have been blocked well. Others have not. Um, I think Ty Chandler showed, showed you something on Saturday that he is you know, now somebody that Carolina should look to use in the receiving game. Um, you know, He had the long touchdown on the wheel route, but I definitely think he's a guy that can do some things out of the backfield, uh, catching the football on screen plays, even swing routes, stuff like that. And that's one of the ways you 
got to get the football in his hands because he's not going to be able to be as effective running the football this year as he probably would have liked, and it's not all his fault. Um, and, and then, I mean, yeah, I'd like to see them sort of start running some of that stuff with the outside receivers trying to get it out quick. The problem is, is there's no guarantee that the outside receivers are going to create separation because they haven't really been able to so far this season. The other thing, though, that I said when I was writing the recap article even though you're not having the success you want, you've still got to keep running the football. I know it's hard, but you saw in that game against Virginia, if your offensive line does have one of those nights, this can be an offense that drives the field just about every single drive and can put up a lot of points. We talked about it so much over the last couple of years here that this when this offense is at its best, it's when they run the football. Mm-hmm. So unfortunately, even though it's not working the way you want it to, you've got to stick with it going forward and keep keep it in the hands of guys like Chandler and Jones and potentially even Caleb Hood whenever he gets added back into that rotation throughout the year. Yeah, and I mean the bigger thing is that you've got to run the football because you've got one proven target at watcher that you know is a game-changing uh, player. <laughs> you don't have De'Ami Brown and Daz Newsome where you, if you got to sit back there and chunk the ball 45, 50 times, you can make you, you can distribute the football around evenly. Carolina doesn't have that luxury. It is Josh Downs, the emergence of Kamari, of Kamari Morales, and that's frankly about it because yeah. you've got Emory Simmons, you've got Anton Green and Choffrey Brown, but you don't know which version of those guys you're going to get any given Saturday. Some days they make great plays. Some days they make plays that make you wonder how they got a scholarship offer. And so I think it's just something that it, it sucks, Dang. but it's it, it's it's something that Carolina's – you've got to run the football because you don't have the weapons in your passing attack to sit back there and chunk the ball 45, 50 times. I do want to see – and this isn't because he had the big touchdown pass. I do want to see more – design pass plays to get the running backs involved in the passing game. Um, Ty Chandler showed you something on the wheel route. Um, great block by Josh Downs, by the way. Good job to not get that uh, as a blindside block to spree him free for that touchdown. But it's just something that if you don't got your other wide receivers, put your backs out there, get them the football. It'll make it'll get them in more of a running rhythm anyway when you do run the football. And so it's just something that Unless these guys take the next step, which after five games doesn't appear they're going to do so, you've got to run the football to keep the defenses honest because your passing attack isn't going to beat teams week in, week out. And that was such a big part of their offense a year ago was the running backs out of the backfield. I don't think everybody wants to talk about how productive those guys were running the football on the ground, and they were. That's something Carolina definitely misses, but both of those guys had – over 200 yards receiving out of the backfield. Those were big parts of Carolina's offense. It opened up that deep passing game. We're not seeing that this year, and I think that is part of it. Let's talk about those outside receivers here real quickly. They still just cannot create separation. There were a couple throws down the field that Sam Howell had where last year De'Ami Brown creates separation. Sometimes even Bo Corrales in the game that Carolina, you know, the opponent that Carolina is about to face this Saturday against Florida State, he separated a couple of times down the field against the Seminoles and made a couple of big plays. This year, Carolina does not have that guy that can consistently do that. You'll see it from time to time with certain guys, but it's just not there consistently. I don't know. I mean, to me, a lot of people have brought it up. Is at some point we've got to start seeing guys like JJ Jones, Kobe Paysauer, maybe even Tylee Kraft. Just see some other guys in there and see if there's anything different. Because right now the guys that are out there, it just isn't working out the way you thought it was going to work it's out. It's like the offensive line where you know you've got you. First off, you got depth. This it's a deep position group, and a lot of these guys you probably leave are more naturally gifted than the guys that you are trotting out there that aren't named. Josh Downs, but it's just something that uh, for whatever reason, whether it's just they're not quick off the break, they're not as physical when they're running their route in a legal way to create separation, they're not creating separation. You can throw as good as a ball as as you want to. Sam Howell has thrown some pretty balls. If there's not room for them to go make a play, they're not going to make a play. It's just that simple. And that's something that has really taken has been taken away from this offense, and it's why Philongo's had to adjust. Where now this offense, outside of the plays where you get Josh Downs in space, you're having to grind out these drives. Mm-hmm. And it's something that for the first two and a half years, 
years of this of this offense we weren't accustomed to. This was a big play offense, off the running game, taking shots down the field. Now you can't run the football effectively. That makes it harder to push the football down the field. But even when you do do that, your guys aren't making plays. And so I've we've, we we always get told by football people that wide receivers position that experiences really matter. You can put guys out there. It's a simple route tree that we run when Phil Longo's offense. It's nothing really too complex. Put those guys out there and, and see what you got because it, you're going to count them at some point starting next season. I mean, yeah, exactly. I mean, you would imagine that. I mean, there's no guarantee that Antone Green's coming back next year. Um, you know, Emory Simmons and, and Chaffrey Brown are expected to be back next year for you as well. But, I mean, right now you're just not getting enough production to validate keeping those guys on the field every single rep uh i mean you need if there's somebody if one of those younger guys can come out and be that guy that sort of creates some of those deep plays down the field that carolina's lacking right now then so be it you kind of need it i mean look they had one that was overthrown last week against um against georgia tech to uh, to, to Antone Green, they had one that Emory Simmons did catch that was a long play in that game against Georgia Tech. But, I mean, I, I just you could probably count on one hand how many long, deep passes have been caught this year mm-hmm. because, again, a lot of guys can't create separation. One thing that I thought was interesting, I saw a comment from uh, Taylor Vipolis, former Tar Heel wide receiver who now works over at Inside Carolina. He said that it looks like some of the guys after about 25 yards are turning and trying to look for the football, um, not playing. You know, not not playing it where they are running the routes out and turning and looking. Uh, you know, once they get further down the field, and that sort of slows their progress down as they go down the field. And I think it's you can kind of see it a little bit. A couple of times the other day with Antone Green, it looked like that was definitely something that could have happened because he just wasn't able to accelerate further down the field and make a play on the football. It was overthrown a couple of times by Sam Howe, but I really don't think they were overthrows. I think they were they, they were passes where, you know, Antone was a little bit slower uh, at the end of his route than he was in the middle of his route, and that's something you don't want. You want your receivers going full speed to be able to make those plays uh, deep down the field, and that was something that Deami Brown was so good at, and we knew that was going to be something that was a concern with this team. I expressed that in the preseason to you guys. But I thought, especially with what you heard from the coaching staff in the preseason, mainly with Emory Simmons and about how much speed he had gained, you would think that he would have been that guy. I think the one thing is we've seen that ability speed-wise from Chaffrey Brown. We just have to see him catch the football consistently. Yeah, I think the biggest problem with this team this season has been the consistency from week in, week out, drive to drive. And with this offense, it's been play to play where it hasn't all come together outside of that Virginia game. And that was kind of an anomaly because I think we knew going into that game that game was exactly that game played the way we thought it was going to be. We knew it was going to be a shootout. We knew points were going to be at a premium, and all that. Outside of that, you, even the George State performance this offense was kind of like it was against Duke this past week, where it was kind of big play or bust outside of, until they wore them down. And so it's just something that uh, Carolina's got to get more consistency. You want to talk about? You want to become an elite program? You want to challenge? Usually it's Clemson. Now you're talking about having to challenge Wake Forest. Those they are they're consistently. Good football teams, week in, week out, that aren't going to beat themselves. That's something Carolina's got to stop doing. Well, they do have one consistent guy, and that's Josh Downs. We've talked a lot about him so far this year. He now has five straight games to start the season with eight catches. Uh, He's going for a six-straight game on Saturday against Florida State. If he was to get that, that would match uh, Devontae Adams, who did that back in 2013. The last Power 5 receiver to do that was Tavon Austin back in 2012 so just a tremendous start to the season for him 168 yards receiving in this game as we mentioned did a lot of a lot of stuff after the catch and this honestly may have been his worst overall performance this year before uh, he had the long touchdown at the end of uh, or in at late in the fourth quarter because he did have a drop in the end zone that would have been a touchdown on Carolina's lone field goal late in the second quarter. And he did have another drop earlier in the game. But this guy, no matter how 
bad, you know, no matter the drops, he always seems to be able to shake those types of things off. And so far this season, I don't think there's any anybody that can argue this. He has been Carolina's most consistent player. Yeah, he's an OG, and that's an original <laughs> gamer. He shows up from the moment he started against A&M. From that moment on, this guy's been ready to play football at a high level uh, for this football team. Um, and he's living up to every expectation we had coming in. We weren't the only guys hyping him up. ACC people were hyping him up. Hell, even national guys were hyping him up. And he's lived up to the billing. He is a dynamic player in the passing game. He can You can throw him a three-yard route, and he can take it to the house. He's done it a handful of times already this season. He's the one given in this passing game. You know, out and even that's with having two drops this past uh, this past weekend. You know he's going to make plays for you, whether it's in the short game, the intermediate game, or even down the field. He's going to be a big time playmaker. And as a fan, it's just really fun to watch seeing him going out there and living up to the expectation that we have, and then more importantly, what he had for himself. Yeah, I I don't think any of us thought that this was going to be the type of receiver that he was going to be. We knew he was special. But this is a guy that right now, I mean, if you if you add it up, I mean, he's on pace for at least 1,500 yards receiving. Um, I mean, right now, I don't know about you, this to me would be a first-team All-American wide receiver. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Um, I think – That's I mean, going to be tough with those two guys at Ohio State. And, uh, but their numbers aren't as good as I, I mean, and the guys that Bama has, and the guys that a lot of other schools that just throw the football all the time have. He's gonna have an argument, that's for sure. And it wouldn't hurt if Carolina wins and get and gets back more in the national spotlight to to further that that chance. Yeah, I mean, look, the other thing is he's got to keep this production going. There's no guarantee that he's going to continue to produce at this high of a level. Um, but right now, th- th- this is the thing: there are teams trying to throw multiple looks at him, trying to double team him, trying to bracket him. He's still finding ways to get free and make plays after the catch. That's one of the big things: is that people are going to say, "Well, we're worried about them taking him away." You can't you can't take away a guy that can just simply make people miss in the middle of the field over and over again. That nope. can turn it on as quickly as he can with his speed. That's what makes him so dynamic, and that's the reason why Carolina has made him the focal point of this offense. I know there are some people who have been critical of the fact that he's gotten too many passes. Um it says that some of the there are some people that say that some of the other wide receivers Negative. need to get more targets. No. I don't see any way that you're taking away from what this guy is doing right now because uh, if you threw the ball to other people in the game against Virginia, you'd have lost the game. Uh, if you threw, if you were trying to spread the wealth in this game, you probably would have lost this game. Uh, you you keep it in the hands of the guy that's producing for you right now until they show you that they can stop it. If the other guys can find ways to get open, then they will get the football. Right now, I mean, I'm watching Sam Howe goes through his progressions. It looks like he goes through them relatively well. He has in years past. In years past, he clearly guys are not open right now. So. That's the thing. Josh Downs is creating separation. Other guys aren't. And it's working out uh, to where he's having a special season. And uh, the rest of Carolina's wide receivers are really struggling uh, to produce right now. We'll be back to the Heel Tough Blog podcast after this message from DraftKings. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official betting partner of the NFL, has a Week 5 offer every football fan should jump on. New customers can bet just $1 on any NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. Guys, the last 0-0 tie in the NFL was back in 1943, so this is a no. Everyone can play for huge cast prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code TPPN throw down $1 on any NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. That's promo code TPPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana or Pennsylvania only. New Customers only, minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required, one per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 
let's you know keep the focus on some of the positives that come out of this game. I thought the defensive line was about as good as they've been uh, in in recent memory. Uh, Miles Murphy was dominant. He played his second really good game in a row. I know he disappeared a little bit in that second half a week ago on the road against uh, against Georgia Tech in Atlanta, but man, he was fantastic in this game. As I mentioned earlier, five total tackles, two and a half for a loss and a sack. Um, you know, a couple of guys on the edge had really good days as well. Chris Collins uh, had one of the best days that we've seen from him in his career. Tamon Fox, nice productive day for him. Uh, and, you know, even guys like Ray Vowasik on the inside, strong performance from him uh, for Carolina and exactly what they needed. And also, I thought Kamen Rucker played another really strong game at defensive end. Again, shows that, you know, con- consistent high motor mentality. Uh, and this was this was the type of performance that I think provides a little bit of encouragement for this defense. And I think it starts, it really does start up front for this group. They've got so much talent down there. We saw a lot of rotation, but you're starting to see some of the guys, the cream of the crop from this group rise to the top. And it's good to see a guy like Miles Murphy starting to stand out. Yeah, this was a opportunity for this for this defensive line to feast because Duke's offensive line is not known as one of the nation's best or even the ACC's best, and it was really good to see them take advantage of that um, after just an abysmal performance the previous week outside of you know Miles Murphy and Cayman Rucker who we will probably praise even when they do something wrong because they've just been that good for Carolina and they're that much fun to watch. But no, this for Carolina to turn this defensive the the this defensive attitude performance what ever around it starts up front in this defensive line there was a lot of hope and promise coming into the season they haven't lived up to the billing per se but there's enough time for them to turn this thing around. They've got formidable offenses coming into Chapel Hill the next couple of weeks to get more confidence, to be to become more consistent at, at, at producing tackles for loss. And I think that was the really big thing about this defensive line was they were generating pressure. We got five sacks of uh, Gunnar Holmberg of Duke. We had nine tackles for loss as, as, a, as a defense in this game. That Six ha- hurries as well. Yeah, and that, none of that happens, the, the tackles for losses, whatever, without penetration from your defensive line. Line. Um, and so just a really good bounce pack um, performance. You're, you're starting to get some more stuff from everybody that, that's coming in. Kevin Hester came in, made a nice play. You know, it, you know, Javari Richburg had his worst game of the of the season, and he had a quarterback hurry himself. So everybody up front made an impact in this game, and that's how it's going to be for Carolina. They don't have one dominant defensive lineman. It's going to be a group effort. It's going to be a team effort, and they got that on Saturday. Yeah, and it's what they need going forward, as you mentioned. That's the thing with this secondary uh, that, you know, is still struggling at times in one-on-one coverage. You need these defensive linemen to win their one-on-one matchups up front. Mac Brown and the defensive staff hammered that home this offseason, and I, I think with the amount of young guys, the amount of rotation, it is taking a little bit of time to sort of hammer that in, but you're starting to see it a little bit. Signs of it over the past couple of weeks, and this game against Duke really showed you what the future could look like on that defensive line. In the secondary, uh, I, I didn't even think it was the starters that really played the best. I, I mean, you saw and one of the things that I really liked was they went to it early on. I think maybe the first drive they had Jaquarius Conley back there at safety. After that, they moved Conley down to the nickel. They put Cameron Kelly back there at strong safety, and it did allow them to get a little bit of rotation on the outside. So it allowed you know a little bit of breather for Tony Grimes and Kyler McMichael because they were able to move Don Chapman onto the outside as an outside corner. I thought he played pretty decent on the outside there. Uh, Definitely a lot better than he had played in the slot so far Mm. this year. Um, But I I thought that, you know, the performance from Cameron Kelly was – Definitely one of the best. He was named the defensive player of the game by Mac Brown uh, today in his press conference. Uh, and, yeah, led the team in tackles with uh, seven total tackles. Also had the interception. I also thought Giovanni Biggers played extremely well in this game as well. He finished with uh, four total tackles, and I believe three of them were in consecutive plays. And he made a couple of really nice hits. So definitely some promise from these guys in the secondary. It just may not have been the guys that you were expecting 
expecting with how little guys like Cameron Kelly and Geo Biggers had been playing coming into this game. Yeah, but right now it's not about who gets the production as long as you're getting the production. And I think, you know, you'll see Conley probably stay at that nickel for the for the, for the foreseeable future. Definitely should. Um, you know, God forbid injuries and stuff like that down the road. That was a that was a really big game for Cameron Kelly, just for him personally to have that type of performance. Um, he transferred in with a lot of hype, a lot of potential. Hadn't quite really lived up to it on the field, but it was just a really good, solid performance for him. Um, he got the interception, at, 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 as you mentioned. You got Trey Morrison, who had the defensive touchdown mm-hmm. on the scoop and score. It's great as Quanley. You know, he's, he is what he is. I think Tony Grimes had his best game of the season. He hasn't had the type of season I thought we expected him to have this year, which is kind of ex- it makes a lot of sense. There was so much hype around him entering the season that he could be this dynamic corner. Look, he's still very well could be. He's got that much talent. He's so young. Um, but, look, with, with Storm Duck, he's going to be banged up, as you would probably imagine, for the rest of the season. There's been some attrition in that secondary. You need other guys to step up and make plays when called upon. Cameron Kelly did that. Our boy Giovanni Biggers did that mm-hmm. as well. But everything looks better when that defensive line is in that backfield and they're making plays. It makes it the it makes their jobs a lot easier. Good call on Trey Morrison as well. Great alert play by him. That was a play that the ball went forward, even though it was a fumble. Great job by Kevin Hester to force that fumble, by the way. Ball went forward. That was definitely a play that most guys would just give up on. Whistle, you know, they would have assumed that the whistle was going to blow. He didn't. He scooped it up and scored. That was a big play, I thought, for Carolina in this mm-hmm. game as well because to that point, Carolina was up 7 nothing, but they really weren't playing all that great, especially on the offensive side. To get a defensive touchdown like that, I think, sort of eased the tensions just a little bit. Carolina played a little bit looser throughout the rest of that second quarter. They scored two more times uh, during that quarter. Two more scoring drives, that was. One of them, of course, ended in a field goal after the Josh Downs drop, and Grayson Atkins knocked through the 28-yard field goal. But uh, definitely, I think, a big confidence booster for this group and that secondary that had struggled so far this yep. year, even to a certain extent. Uh, struggled a little bit last week against Georgia Tech at times, so this is a bi- that was a big one for them uh, to be able to get themselves back on track. Uh, and you hope that some of that depth is going to help them and allow them, I, I think, the, what's best for this group right now. I think Conley was playing great over there uh, at strong safety, but I think right now if you can get a guy, it's a, just like the offensive line. If, if Whatever your best five is out yep. there right now, if you feel like Giovanni Biggers, if you feel like uh, like Cameron Kelly's a, a better option back there because you feel like Jaquarius Conley is a better option for you in the nickel and it's going to allow you some rotation on the outside, which I think they lacked a week ago when they didn't have you know Storm Duck uh, you know at, at, at full health. And uh, unfortunately, they uh, didn't have... Um, you know, Obi Egbuna, I guess, doesn't seem to be ready just yet. They still don't have uh, DeAndre Hollins. I think all that stuff, uh, Carolina wanted to move Don Chapman to the outside, so being able to move Jaquarius Conley down there uh, is huge. So uh, let's take a look at our player of the game for Carolina's game against Duke. I think this one is pretty clear. Uh, look, I mean, Miles Murphy, great performance in this game from him. I thought you could have made a very good argument for him to be the defensive player of the game. Uh, uh, when Mac Brown handed that out earlier today. Uh, also, you know, I, I think really strong performance from Cameron Kelly. Uh, good performance from quarterback Sam Howell in this one as well, but I think it's very clear. Josh Downs is the player of the game once again here. Eight catches, 168 yards, the 63-yard touchdown in the fourth quarter, and this guy is just a dynamic playmaker that means so much to Carolina this season and has just been spectacular to this point. And uh, at this at, at this juncture, I mean, if anything, uh, one of the reasons that you want to turn on the TV to watch the Tar Heels play is because you've got Josh Downs playing out there for this team each and every week. So that wraps it up for this edition of the podcast. Make sure that you you guys head over to the website heeltopblog.com take a look at the recap of this game we give you the um we, we give you a look at the uh takeaways from this game. I got four of them in there for you guys, so make sure you go and take a look at those. Josh has your trench report for you. He takes a look at that offensive line that continues to struggle. Uh, The defensive line, who had 
arguably their best performance of the year so far. And uh, and then I'll have the stock I'll have the stock report up for you. Uh, we're we're kind of delayed. I know that uh, this video will probably be up before or after we get the article up. Uh, but we do uh, you know have some issues with Facebook on the day of recording. Uh, there's currently uh, some things going on with them that has that down along with Instagram, some of their other stuff. So we'll see when that ends up getting back up. When it does, uh, we're going to try to get this video posted as soon as possible, and we're also going to try to get uh, that stock report article up there for you guys to read as you get prepared for Carolina to move on and face Florida State. When they do that, we'll have your game preview for you, just like we do every other week, team breakdowns, team stack comparisons. Uh, we'll have the injury reports, all that great stuff for you guys. That'll all be in there uh, You know, as, as, probably on Thursday or Friday, one of those two days. We'll have it, I think, more Friday for you guys. Uh, right around about 3.30, we typically try to get it out about 24 hours before the game starts so that you guys can be prepared uh, for uh, what will be a huge matchup in Keenan Stadium against a Florida State team that Mac Brown has never beaten in his career. Also, it is his alma mater, so that's definitely going to be a special moment for him if he can find a way to get that victory over Florida State. Um, you head over to the podcast side of things. Uh, you can check out the Heel Tough blog podcast uh, and the Four Corners podcast, which is the basketball podcast here for the Heel Tough blog. You can check that out uh, on any of the major platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, all those great apps. Uh, wherever you listen to your podcast, these two podcasts are at. So make sure that when you find those two podcasts, you end up hitting that subscribe button. When you do that, I'll put it right into your podcast library. So whenever there are new episodes of the podcast, you can check it out right there and then. Uh, also, make sure that you guys check out the social media pages. Facebook, uh, it, that's definitely uh, the main spot to check out if you're looking on social media. Of course, it's down right now, but we do encourage you once it gets back up to go on there. Find the Heel Tough blog page, like the page, and uh, it'll automatically follow it for you as well. And that'll allow you, whenever we put up a new video, whenever we uh, you know, put out an article, any of that stuff, it'll all be on your timeline. And when we do premiere a video, when we do go live, either one of those things, it'll give you a notification right in your notification tab to let you know that that is happening. Over on the Twitter side of things, it's at Heel Tough blog on Twitter for the main page. And then for the personal pages, it's me, at HTBAnthony. It's Josh at HTB Josh and Zach Hubbard, our recruiting guy at Hack Zubbard 2. So that wraps up for this edition of the podcast. Want to thank Josh for hosting with me. Want to thank you guys for watching and listening. And as always, go Tar Heels. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time.